had enough of the been there, done that ideas, tired of too much talk and so little action. Rewind now and welcome to Transformation and Change Radio with Dr. Kathy O'Bear, where the vision of true equity, inclusion, courage, and purpose meet powerfully. Dr. Kathy delivers with dynamic, engaging conversation and the most authentically brave dialogue on air today. This hit show will challenge you to explore current issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion and deepen your capacity to choose courage to speak up to greater inclusion in everything you do. Fasten your seatbelts and accelerate your effectiveness to become a powerful change agent in your life, community, job, and society. Imagine true equity and inclusion and get the tools to really manifest your vision. No frills, no fluff, just really powerful, good stuff. Transformation and Change Radio starts now. Wow. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Pat. And yep, yep, I'm not alone. Hi, I'm Dr. Kathy (laughs) O'Bear. Delighted to join you for our third radio show. You know what? Look, uh, this is really um, a very important show for a lot of reasons. You know, first of all, it is about transformation and change, Dr. Dr. Kathy. But more importantly, this particular episode, when you and I were talking about it, what I realized is not only how important it is, but, you know, because what we're going to tackle today is don't do this on your own and to avoid the pitfalls and potholes of going it alone. And I don't know if there is enough that we can say, but I will tell you this, you've laid out a brilliant journey for us today, just brilliant. Um, And so part of this is getting started right away. Look, let's give people from your perspective, a recap of where we've been and how we got to do this show about don't do this on your own. Well, in our first show, we talked about what is transformation and change and really having people envision what's possible. The second show, we started talking about it can be just one individual person with a spark, the idea, the passion to speak truth to power, to choose courage, and can start the ball rolling. But I found this greater, great, wonderful quote by Angel Kyoto Williams. Without inner change, there can be no outer change, but without collective change, no change matters. Because in session number two, we talked about as individual change agents, we have to do our inner work so that we're clear instruments of change, we're not triggered a lot, we're able to work with others. But this time we want to talk about we can't do it alone. As Angel Coyota Williams says, without collective change, no change matters. And the challenge is that I did a lot of work on my own, not only as an independent consultant, but inside organizations. And what I love about our conversations, Pat, we also go to how we were socialized. And I think as a woman, I was socialized. I had to do it all. I had to show up and do it on my own, or I'd be seen as weak or not very competent. But beyond that, when I grew up, I watched a lot of TV. And so I would see what a hero was. It was that one cowboy that that just ran in by themselves and ran forward uh, without anybody behind them. It was the police officer that took off and tried to help in a crime without any backup. It was that firefighter, even though now I firefighters, he told me really work in collaboration. It was the firefighter that ran in the burning building to save the person. And in all these cases, they always got to marry the woman at the end, right? Yeah, And I didn't realize until I was prepping for the show how male-centered, hyper-masculine-centered, how white 
culture is just infused in all those images, but that's all I knew. And so when I got into organizations, which were predominantly white, very traditional dominant culture, change was the senior leader did it. And so I thought that's how I had to do it, but I made so many mistakes and I wish I had known more about collaborative co-creation back then. You know, you and me both, um, I think about this and, and think about, you know, after you and I talked last week in preparation for the show, I was talking to Linda because we spent a lot of years in a bell system, the old bell system, right? Not even a reflection. And, and actually, the old bell system is kind of akin to what we're seeing in Facebook and Google. You know, these are these are mega monoliths. These are these are mega companies that sort of have a share of the market that really sets them apart. So did the phone company. You know, what I'll say about the phone company, though, and I say this really honorably for them, is they did their best to try to do things differently. Uh, but even with this, the idea of entering a workplace and not having any blueprint to know how to do anything differently, what you have to count on is your own ability to cut yourself from a different cloth. And I think that's where we are today. You know, we are being asked to really look at how we're showing up in the world and what that means in today's world. And so let's talk about this for a minute, about this either of don't do this alone, because we still hear for women, especially, their greatest challenge is trying to balance things. And I'm not a big fan of balance, but they're still trying. And yet, I don't know if we even know today how to put our hand out and say, I need help here. What do you think? And it might be in the framing of the question, instead of I need help, it's how do we do this together? There's this great African proverb, and I wish I knew more about where it came from. Yeah. If you want to go fast, go alone. And that's what I did. <laughs> but if you want to go far, go together. So I'll put the whole thing together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. In prep for this, I was reading, uh, McKinsey has a stat that 70, 70% of all change efforts fail. And I think it's because, A, we have these individual leaders or change agents trying to fight this monolith of a culture, a dominant culture that wants to stay the where it is status quo, and or we haven't learned how to work collectively. And the irony is that I think women across all races and gender identity, sexualities, we know a lot about how to work in networks, coalitions. We know that alone, we get exhausted and burn out, but together, whether it's family systems and organizations. And so I wish I'd known that because when I was in organizations or even as a consultant, I was in and I was changing through training and speaking and I would organize and energize a few people and say, you all need to meet. But then I wouldn't follow up. I was an external consultant. And when I was inside, I was still ego driven. I was still trying to do it on my own. And so what happened was motivated people, those early adapters, folks that were ready for the message would go do change. But then we'd be these siloed changes and never learned how to bring it all together. And then we'd start to get resistance and inertia. And I'd get exhausted and other people would get exhausted because we weren't collective action. And then the powers that be could just come in and say, well, that was a nice initiative, but now we need to focus over here. The challenge is you get people's hopes up, 
you do any kind of culture change effort around equity, inclusion, social justice, people, especially folks in marginalized identities are like, we've been here before, but if you get them kind of excited, they're all right, one more time. But if that organizational culture change practice fails one more time, it could take, I think, five, 10 years before many people will be willing to trust it again. So whether it's direct sabotage or people just don't see their self-interest in change, people are exhausted, burned out, and then individual change agents, our reputation is tainted, especially if we come in to work a little more triggered, a little more burned around the edges. Um, we have to find ways to make meaningful, sustainable change over time. And the answer truly is coalitions and collaborations. Now, the irony, even as I was prepping this morning, realizing how I was socialized as a young white girl, I grew up in the 60s. And so on TV, many nights, I got to see Dr. King and so many people involved in the civil rights movement. Yeah. But it was presented as Dr. King was literally the savior coming in, not it wasn't until recently, the last five, 10 years of research that I've realized how many thousands upon thousands of folks behind the scenes, coalitions, collaborations, strategic planning was involved. And yet the white media presented it as, see, this one person comes in and then when he's murdered and assassinated, everyone came together, at least whites, to say, now it's over, we've, we've come a long way. So the images are there, but I think we have to look to people of color and other social justice change movements like Black Lives Matters today, the environmental movement, to really see what collaboration and change could look like. You know, I think what we're talking about is, it is so absolutely pivotal to the world we live in today. And, and I wanna really, uh, you know, uh, go back to something you said that's so important. And that is, you know, this idea of being a consultant, both of you and I have spent time as consultants, right? When I was part of a larger organization, the idea of team or collaboration was starting to happen. But the good news for me was as a clerk, and I worked my way up in the phone company, right? From the mailroom, which I almost got fired from, but from the mailroom, worked my way up as a clerk for 10 years. But I was in a room I was in a room, Dr. Kathy, of 50 other people, five zero. That's a five zero. And thank goodness that environment taught me in the strangest of ways what happens when you absolutely cannot avoid talking to somebody face to face or working as part of a system, a bigger system. And, you know, here we are today, and what I'm really struck by is the power of your message and the power of your work. And yet, this idea of all of this being exhausting and burning out and developing resentful, I spent eight years researching this, and I got burned out from the research of it. Do you think we've made progress? Have we gotten a bit better? I see so many people sharing similar messages. I get to organizations where more people are organizing, talking about community care, self-care, and also organizational change in different ways. I was just on in one organization where they've been working for several years and the folks were burned out. But what they did was, or burning out, they brought them together for a day of rejuvenation and a day of what we did was how far we've come and we reminded them all the progress they've made because if you don't look at the small ways things are happening, 
And these are the key change agents. Now they're not the top leaders, but they were the change agents in unit change teams and system change teams. And after a quick activity where they first got to talk about how hard it's been and where they're feeling, we then had them write on post-its. What are all the ways you personally or your area has been creating change or these different groups? We put them on the wall and literally came over and looked at them. And folks were like, I had no idea we did this. Oh, I see we did this. But they also got to see how much training we've done. And in organizations, often training is the first layer to raise awareness and commitment. But too many organizations get stuck there. But it gave people more energy and hope because they saw, oh, we did change the structure. We did do this. And now what's next? And so then we got them into working groups to think about where's the organization now? What tools are needed? How do you create change? But without this collective collaborative work, uh, there's other great quote, Reed Hoffman. I found a lot of quotes today. No matter how brilliant your mind or strategy, if you're playing a solo game, you're always going to lose out to a team. Wow. Most traditional cultures and organizations still are very solo. A supervisor individually supervises people. We bring the team together for in information overload as opposed to collaborative brainstorming. How do we work together? There are pockets that are changing, but to have the whole organization truly be about collaboration, synergistic team moving forward towards equity inclusion, we're a long way to go. Well, you know, one of the things that I did want to talk to you about in so many ways was really to take a look at, you know, where we are in our lives and what we're doing and how we're doing it and really taking a look at what this means to not go it alone. Because, you know, for those of you just tuning in, Dr. Kathy O'Bear is joining me here today. And of course, her platform, first of all, it's brilliant. Um, and it's something that, you know, for both of us, we have been responsible for in organizations, just to say, responsible, responsible to help a team, an individual, an organization, an executive transform and change. And when you do that for as long as she has been doing it, and certainly as long as I had been doing it, you learn a few things. Today, here's what we've learned. If you really want to transform and change, you don't do it alone. Let's take a short break, everyone. When we come back, we're going to be taking you on this journey to take a look at what could it look like? What could it look like? And more importantly, for me, what could it feel like? I mean, what could this feel like to create change collectively? What did this feel like for she and I as we did participate maybe in other organizations, even if I go back in time, part of a collective? What does that feel like? What gets in your heart? What gets in your soul? And what is it about that that you remember so wonderfully that you want to create it over and over and over again, but you may not have the tools. We'll be right back. Are you ready to tap into the healer within? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know the real doctor is the source that lives within you, that heals within you minute by minute every day? The healer within is the innate intelligence of the human body. When we cut our hand with a piece of glass, we don't have to command the body to close the wound and grow new skin. It knows how to heal itself. We do have to nourish the skin by disinfecting it and remove the glass or it cannot heal. 
The innate healer relies upon us to assist in this healing process. Our role is to identify its needs, provide the substances required for the healing, and remove the obstacle. Contact us to achieve optimal health at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. And visit us at maryjanemack.com. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy O'Bear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Tune in to People Like Us Radio with Megan Lyons, transcending the trauma of the human experience. Megan will be raising the universal consciousness by empowering listeners with their own inner strength, working past trauma and abuse. Megan will show you how to find true healing and inner peace through the art and practice of self-love. Tune in every first and third Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For more information about Megan and her work, visit EnterTheLightLLC.com. Are you willing to challenge everything you've been taught about life and death? Join Angie Corbett Kuyper on her hit show, Beyond Grief Radio. Redefining loss and grief as Angie shares through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind that creating anything is possible, even in death. Tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information or to listen to past shows, visit AngieCorbettKuyper.com. If you have a sense that you are meant for more, join Heather Allison every third Tuesday at noon Pacific as she explores an ancient, forgotten energy within us and helps us access our original archetypal blueprint. The Golden Path will help you remember the key to unlocking your life, love, success, and magic you were meant for. A key to unlocking your Golden Path. Visit heather-allison.com. Benny, I'm liking that groove. Is that? Are you giving me a little techno music today? Oh, it's just kind of a scene setter, like more a, or less. It's not a specific. Yeah, I like it. It's, it's like right, like the vibe that mm-hmm. I think I'm feeling Good. here with this topic today with Dr. Kathy O'Bear. For those of you just tuning in, yeah, you are listening to this fabulous hit show, Transformation and Change Radio with Dr. Kathy O'Bear. You know, why is this show important? This is about learning for all of us and I am learning this every minute I talk with her, every show I do, I really have a call to action for myself. Choose courage, speak your truth and live on purpose. And that's what she is about. Not in a way that we're talking about hypothetical situations or concepts that are abstract, although we will talk about those, but about practical ways to really look at your life and say, I can change this thing. I can change that thing. I could be this over here. I could be that over there. But today's show is, yeah, you could be, you could be to be. But if you decide to be to be, what we're saying is, uh, please don't be to be all alone. That, that thing, that doing the thing alone thing, that will put you down and out quicker than you can imagine. Let's talk about some of the things you're gifting today for people. Dr. Kathy, let's take one at a time because I want to open up the phone lines um, and, and start to give them away. 
Um, let's talk about uh, one of the ones I zoomed in on right away, which is a self-assessment uh, for inclusion practitioners. Tell us a little bit about this. Uh, you have created so many tools. I don't even know where to begin with you sometimes. So please tell us about that. And then also the website. Well, what I love about this self-assessment is I used to think I just showed up and I could be a leader. <laughs> and over the decades, I've gotten clearer that at least these 64 competencies, if you're an internal change agent, whatever layer you are in the organization, top, middle, organizing a small group to come together, do a book club about organizational change or dismantling racism. We need to have the capacity to engage effectively with others, to think systemically and policies and practices change. So you'll see six different categories of different, uh, different skills. You can self-assess, you can get other people to assess you, and you can have an entire group of change agents talk about what skills they have and what skills they need. And it can be a way to do professional development among change agents or at the team level. And people can always contact me on my website, www.drkathyobear.com, drkathyobear.com. Yeah, well, you know, and Benny, we may skip one of the breaks coming up because we got a lot to talk about here. I want to go. I want to go to this. What what could it look like to create change collectively? I want to go to this um, because I went through a burst of this. Let's just say the '60s and '70s, moving into the '80s, very very out there, organized. You know, uh, thinking about you, you know what happened down in the village with the Stonewall event and organizing and marching. You know, my mom, my stepmom was great activist from the South, you know, Selma, you name it, right? I come from that kind of chutzpah. But I don't know that I know how to create the change collectively. See, that's different, right? Tell me a little bit about this and why this is a core pillar, if we should say it, of making transformative change that sticks. Well, that's the key, meaningful, sustainable, long-term change. Some of my mentors at LCY Cross Associates would always say true culture change takes seven to 10 years. And then I would stop listening because I was still an activist that wanted to change things now. And they were like, and that's only if senior leadership is stable, the vision is clear, everyone throughout the organization is skilled up to move ahead and people are held accountable. Very few of those I find in organizations that I get called worked with today. They also talked about that there are three key phases of change. And most people get stuck in phase one, which is increasing awareness and commitment. And people jump into training without doing the work with leaders. We have to get them committed. We have to get them to see the leadership case, the business case. We have to get them. And I'm not just saying the top four or five. It could be the top two or three layers. But deep training, development, Lots of dialogue about why this is critical to our future, why it's critical to us individually, and they have to buy in. And the trap is leaders say, okay, we'll do this. And then the change agents think they have a go ahead and start doing training and organizing, but the leaders really haven't bought in and they're not leading. We have to get the leaders through their communication, through their actions, modeling every day the new culture we want, and that will take some time. They have to be able to find their self-interest. Now, the early adapters will get on board with some of early development of leaders. But in phase one, 
getting the commitment of all leaders so they'll be willing to spend their political capital, their energy, their resources to work collaboratively because change is hard and there's going to be resistance. And so that phase is critical. Now, it also takes getting several layers of organized the organization learning what is diversity, equity, inclusion, what is a changed culture. And so it will take a lot of awareness and skill building. And I'm not saying two hours, not even a day, but some really deep training for key change agents as well as managers and above. And that may take a while. But while that's going on, you can move into phase two, which is develop internal capacity. So that's not only training, but that's really getting the infrastructure in place, diversity councils, inclusion practitioners, inclusion facilitators, cross sections of the organization coming together to then be skilled up and given the responsibility and accountability to do change in search committees, change in team meetings, change on task forces. So you get more and more people, at least one per major unit, one per major group, that's got a much deeper capacity on equity, inclusion, change management. So they are gently nudging and getting people along and then the leaders can work with them because most leaders don't have these capacities and while they're developing them to get somebody else in there to partner with. So those are some critical steps and eventually phase three and most organizations never get there. They say diversity is everyone's business. Everyone is responsible, but to create the infrastructure of performance management, accountability, teamwork, so that everybody knows it's their job and they are skilled up and held accountable to do it. That is phase three and it's ongoing, continuous. Some people think, now oh, we spent a year, we made it. No, equity, inclusion, social justice in organizations is lifelong because the dynamics change, your customers are changing, your employees are changing, the issues in the country and the world are changing. And so it's a continuous, just like budget training, equity inclusion always has to stay current. New software, metaphorically, people have to keep updating their skills and capacities. And so most organizations fall short because they don't get leader commitment and they don't get enough change agents mobilized and reward and supported working together collaboratively to move this, what's that, Sisyphus? Mm. That big rock that Sisyphus kept putting up the hill, pushing yeah. up. Well, yeah. people get tired and it rolls back down. You start over. We can no longer afford stopping midway. We have to keep going and getting everyone involved moving in that direction. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love what we're talking about today because, you know, this is really looking at this and really coming to an understanding of what it would look like to create this change collectively. And I love that we are talking about starting with leadership. I don't know about you and your consulting work, uh, work that you've done, uh, Dr. O'Bear, but I wanna ask you about this. I remember being on a major consulting initiative here that while I was finishing my degree uh, in the Pacific Northwest, redoing all of the change processes in Snohomish County PUD. And that was initiated under the lead leadership of a great uh, AGM. And, and once the leadership changes, other, thing cha other things change. Um, I was then moved to another project where I declined to work on the project because the director wouldn't even meet with us. Those are important things to look at, right? You know, where is the buy-in happening? The buy-in's got to be from leaders. And again, it's not their job to do it, no. but it's their job to empower and hold people accountable and to keep moving in the direction and be a resource. 
I was just reading, there was this great example from Legos and Legos doing co-creation. And apparently they put out to the whole Lego community. I'm talking customers. What other Legos do you want us to develop? And they got all these ideas and then they would, I don't know if they put them on a website, but they'd let people vote. So then they had thousands of people voting. And if an idea got 10,000 votes, they then put that in operation. The original person's idea, I think it was 1% of the net profit. So it was a brilliant model of co-creation. Let's bring that into work environments. Can you imagine? Yes, you've got the leaders in phase one learning and phase two, you get more people being developed and trained. But in the process, what if you say to the whole organization, what are your creative ideas? Where are we now? Where do we need to be? What needs to change? And how do we change it? And if your ideas are used, then A, you may want to be a part of the change, but we're going to financially compensate you somehow and acknowledge you in newsletters, and it's going to impact your career. So how do you really energize and activate Every member of the organization, where you're a 20 person nonprofit, a hundred thousand dollar, hundred thousand person corporation, how do you empower everyone and have the structures so that people can, without penalty, put in ideas? This needs changing. I have this idea, and they get credit for it, and they're involved in co creating. You can have unit change teams where, within your department of 50 people, seven or eight people come together to think about what's our current climate, what needs to change. Again, not top leader driven, top leader led. The vision is collectively created. There's this wonderful, you know, the Gandhi quote, you must be the change you want to see in the world. That is wonderful. And it reinforces what each individual needs to do. But I just saw this this morning, a variation. You must organize the change you want to see in the world. You must organize the change you want to see in the world. And so leaders and change agents today need to be community organizers. And maybe pull on those tools and strategies of grassroots nonprofit community organizing to get all voices in, supported, engaged often into where we are, what needs to change, what are ideas for change, and how collectively we can do it together. Yeah, look, this is really for me, and we're going to talk about this when we come back from break. But one of the things that I want to talk about is, you know, Sometimes organizing is so very natural. We do it. And, you know, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't, can't talk for the men that might be listening today, but I can talk, you know, as a woman. This natural state of organizing things, whether it's organizing around family, whether it's organizing around what to do, there's this natural thing I think that happens for, for a lot of us. Um, but when it comes to the kind of collective we're talking about, building early coalitions. When we're talking about that, we're talking about something special. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. If you're dealing with fear and anxiety, you've probably noticed that the more you fight these emotions, the stronger they seem to get. Dr. Friedemann Schaub, the author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, explains that instead of suppressing, we need to identify and resolve the deeper, subconscious root causes of fear and anxiety. His personal breakthrough program has helped thousands worldwide to overcome their emotional challenges. To learn more, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com and schedule your free consultation with Dr. Schaub now. Have you ever wondered if there's a way to heal the deep, hidden inner issues, wounds, beliefs, and traumas? The journey into spiritual healing engages people in all areas of their lives to heal themselves and others. 
Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Dr. Jaffe brings conversations of healing of body, mind, and spirit as he merges the excellence of traditional medicine with the beauty of spiritual healing. For more information about Dr. Jaffe, this show, and his work, visit drjaffemd.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Interested in deepening your spiritual practice? The School for Esoteric Studies offers online training to spiritual seekers from all paths of life and individual coaching. Our courses synthesize Eastern and Western spiritual traditions based on meditation, study, and service applied to everyday life. To learn more about our courses and services, please visit www.esotericstudies.net. the knowledge and wisdom to understand where spirituality, science, and psychology intersect? Then join the Karmic Path Radio Show with Tina and Laura on TransformationTalkRadio.com Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific. Follow this charmingly, disarmingly dynamic duo as they explore how psychic ability, spirituality, and karmic law tie together. For more information on Tina, Laura, and their groundbreaking work, visit TheKarmicPath.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to Transformation and Change Radio with Dr. Kathy O'Bear and me, Dr. Pat. Um, Dr. O'Bear, before we continue, uh, because we're most likely skip the next break, you know, to really talk about what the invitation is for people to not just think about building a coalition, but to learn how to do it. Um, tell folks how they can find out about you. Please tell folks about the books that you've written, um, as well as the quiz again, if you don't mind. So if people go to my website, www.drkathyorbear.com, you can get access to my three books and two are still free for now. They've been out for years, but the, but I'm not racist tools for well-meaning whites could be a great one for people to think about how do you create more folks caring about issues to create change. Often folks in marginalized identities, whether it's hierarchical by race, by gender, by gender identity, sexuality, have more passion to want to create change. And so the book, But I'm Not Racist, could be one, not only look at how to dismantle racism in organizations, but to pull whites together, cross-race organization, across your, to bring people together. And you can use that as a model to think about other change efforts. The second one, In It for the Long Haul, Overcoming Burnout and Passion Fatigue. Once you've been in change efforts for a while, you'll get a little tired and it if you burn out, most people drop out, particularly if they have multiple privileged identities. And so this book could be a great book among your change leaders, as well as in book clubs with other folk to get them really thinking about how do we sustain ourselves and collectively have community care. And then the final one, once you've been in change work, even for a moment, people have different perspectives. And if you can't navigate difficult situations, disagreements, conflict, people will drop out or you'll be so triggered have a hot button and it can really undermine change efforts. So my first book, Turn the Tide, is all about creating organizations and interpersonal dynamics that when we hit those hot buttons, how do we navigate those effectively so we can stay engaged together for the long haul? 
so all those you can find on my website. I also want to talk about a webinar that I, each month I put out another webinar. And this one is Creating Organizational Change Part 1. And so if you sign up for anything on my website, you'll then get a lot of emails from me. And this month, you can get this webinar Part 1, and next month will be Part 2. Wow. And then you asked wow. about that self-assessment from yeah, yeah. practitioners. Again, individually or collectively, having people reflect what are their skills, what do they want to keep learning? That's another way to keep people in. If they think all they're doing is coming and giving and giving, they're going to burn out. But if your change teams, if your, your network among all the different groups, part of it is professional development, not only sharing what everyone's doing across the organization, but this is your time for your own self-work and professional development, that may be one thing that could keep people coming back being of service to the organization, but they also are getting something back that helps them in their career plan, their career trajectory, whatever they want to be doing in life. And, you know, part of part of what we're talking about today and what you'll be talking about in the upcoming shows is really looking at what are the steps or my favorite word, what are the actions that each of us must take in order to move ourselves forward, to really move ourselves? And one of the things I learned a long time ago was if I'm not going to invest in myself financially, time-wise, commitment-wise, emotion-wise, if I'm not going to do that, it's very difficult, you know, to see how the change is going to happen on the outside in, right? Because a lot of times it is an inside job to really pull ourselves together enough so that we realize we can create change collectively. The other thing I want to ask you about is anyone that has ever created change collectively and has built coalitions, which we're going to talk about, I'm going to tell you that changes you, don't you think? It does for me when I truly work with others and show up and spend a long time with them and learn with them, the friendships, the relationships, the skills I develop just by being around folks that have different capacities it makes me a better change agent. Um, and especially if we come from different worldviews and whether that's related to our upbringing, our race, our culture, how, what, as we class background, as we really realize there are more ways to create change than how I was taught, uh, it can be really powerful. And again, I was taught individual run into the burning building as opposed yeah. to what I wish I had learned, that it's so much about relationships. I wish I had learned to come together with people that have a passion and want to live on purpose and say, okay, where do we want the organization to be? Who do we know that's a potential change agent that has the power? Who knows who? Who can build relationships with who? How can we start to get some allies, some vice presidents? Who does the top leader listen to? But more than that, we need to think about what is the self-interest of all these leaders? Because they're not going to change just because someone says to. And so do they care about their reputation in the organization or the community? Do they care about the organization being financially solvent? Do they care about recruiting and retaining the top talent? Do they care about their legacy in the world? Do they care about not being sued? Whatever their personal, and I mean personal, and they may not tell you because most leaders today sound really good. They're like, we believe in equity, inclusion, and empowerment. But if you catch them when they're stressed and triggered, if you catch them when they're not on and they're not performing and really listen to what they say, 
metaphorically or really behind closed doors, you might get some idea. Now, the other thing you can do is find out again who knows them and start to have some conversations. Take them to lunch, invite them to your group to tell them their story and why they're passionate. Build that relationship and you start to get inklings on what matters to them and then leverage that to get their involvement and deeper commitment. Those are critical to organizational change because part of coalition building you have leaders involved and then you see who's already doing it. Diversity committees, maybe there's this unit over here that is doing customer service, but they're Mm -hmm. doing it with an inclusion lens. So you find the great change agents, the stars that are happening, and then you bring them together and you share ideas, you get them involved with leadership, maybe a whole day or two retreat to talk about where are we as an organization? Where do we want to go? So you get a cross-section of the organization of change agents already to work with leaders. So you're building relationships. I got to consult with this one organization. It's a financial institution. And it was the LGBT. It might have just been LGB at the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> they had a great strategy for coalition building. They put in something called reverse mentoring. And so folks that identified as queer on some level, and we were just beginning to work trans issues. So I don't think they had folks who were trans, gender identity, uh, gender queer working yet uh, in this. But they found a senior leader that wanted to get sharper around dismantling heterosexism and really being a leader around creating an inclusive work environment for LGBT, because we were moving it. And then they hooked them up as a peer mentor. They called it reverse mentoring so that the lesbian, gay, or bisexual mid-manager would coach the senior leader about heterosexism, dismantling heterosexism, but more telling stories. So they built a relationship. And then the senior leader would share about how do you survive in this organization? They would network them. So it was a win-win all around. And so finding out what's the culture of your organization, how do senior leaders and mid-level managers learn and grow and come together reverse mentoring, retreats, open forums, but mostly it's investing in the current change agents and then say, bring a friend so that the ones that have already been doing it, they bring someone potential and you do deep professional development of those folks and help them move forward working with leaders. Yeah. You know, this is, I mean, boy, I'll tell you, everything you laid out, I mean, the description, the steps, the specific actions, what you're talking about and how to go about this when I know this was true for me and it sounds like it was true for you when we were coming up and doing work in organizations where blueprints like this didn't exist we really hit trial and error along the way I want to ask you that and and the the thing I want to ask you about is the potholes you know I could tell you that I've stepped in more potholes than I think potholes exist because I didn't have a guide, right? But I also found that folks were a little bit more tolerant because there wasn't a blueprint. Are you finding, and, and, and this is, this, I hope I get this question, are you finding that people expect us to be better because the potholes of the old should have been filled in and repaired? I could be wrong, but I see millennials and Generation Zs coming in wanting change faster. You can look at the, you know, first, they call them freshmen, but that's not. The, so the folks in Congress that just yeah. got elected are mostly women of color, but not all. Yeah. 
who are just incredible systemic strategic change agents. And they're not going about it the way like, wait your turn. They're moving very quickly, anytime in a microphone, making sure the message is there, strategies, they're challenging the status quo. I think they're a reflection of what's happening in organizations and what's happening in communities. I think I used to be more like that. And as I've gotten older, A, I've learned more strategies to create change, but we need folks who will put themselves on the line, speak truth to power. And how do we work in coalition, the folks that are more internal change agents that are willing to work with the powers that be, as well as folks that will just literally start a protest or write a petition. So we need all of us working together collaboratively um, and the sense of urgency is high. And one strategy that might work, again, it may feel slow to some people, if you can find one or two leaders who are willing to be the pilot or the prototype and let their division be the one that you really can invest some accelerated efforts in to get competencies developed, policies, practices shifted, the culture change happening, and then advertise that, market that so people know, bring people in to hear what's going on, take it out to the organization. That might, see, find a couple early adapters. Then the folks that are in the middle might go, okay, I'm not going to be first, but they did it. Nobody died. And actually, they increased customer service. They increased morale. The surveys are showing better satisfaction. They're higher and retaining a more racially diverse, culturally competent employee base leaders. All right, now I'm willing to try and put my toe in. And so it's another strategy. Find the people that are willing to go out there, be the prototype, and then really market the hell out of it. Well, you know, look, one of the things that I think you, you've you learned and I learned is that organizations do get to a tipping point, right? You know, they get to a point where, you know, the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change. That's a get to that point. And they get there maybe in various ways. Um, you know, despite your best efforts to create groups, to create stamina, to persevere, to do all the above. But the one thing that I have found in my own journey and change in organizations is our ability to take risks in ways that are required. Do you think that we've become risk averse these days? Do you think that people are willing to take these type of risks in the day and age we live in? Where, where are we with that? I think if we come together, folks are much more willing collectively to speak up as one voice together. Not that it's the same message, but so a single person in an organization or in a community speaking up, it does take a lot of courage and skill to do that. And so if we can organize, there's this great Margaret Wheatley quote I found. There is no power for change that is greater than a community discovering what it cares about. And so if in building coalition, bringing people together, having people share what their concerns are, you find the interest convergence. How's that for jargon? Yeah. What do people care about and why? And then what's the overlap? Because I bet all people want a place where they feel valued and respected, where the company, the organization, the nonprofit is financially sustainable and people feel that their work is valued in the world. They're making a difference. Some of the research on millennials and Gen uh, Zs are saying they want to make a difference. And so yeah. I think the stars are aligning at the same time, the risk averse part might be, 
anything you say could quickly be on a video and be popped up onto YouTube or Instagram, Facebook. Anything you say could be edited and taken out of context. And so you're presented in a way on social media that you did not say. And yet people that are trying to undermine sabotage and hold on to the old or even go backwards into times when just a few social identity groups had all the power by, you know, class, race, gender, gender identity, so sexuality. So the risk averse, I'm not saying it's easy. I know every time we do a radio show or someone reads my book, they could get online somewhere. And so part of it is each change agent, each leader has to go inside and do the healing work. Am I willing to engage the resistance? I know I'm not alone. And so to say, this is much more important to me to be a part of creating change, to live on purpose, to live my passion with others in community, to create the organization we say we are, I'm willing to go out on that limb together. The other, um, just thought of this, there's some Facebook image of a bird that's out on a limb and someone's cutting it off. <laughs> and the line says, the bird doesn't worry that someone's cutting the limb because they know they can fly. Yeah. So if it's change agents, we know that we individually can fly. We know that collectively we're a flock moving. And you notice the flock, if you watch flocks or even geese, they go in different directions. Some, one of them gets in the front and leads for a while, then another one comes in. That's the kind of collective, collaborative coalition building we have to do. Not any one person knows it all. And in fact, together, we're smarter than we are individually. Well, you know, look, I didn't think that we would be in such a transformative time again in my life. I mean, I know what it was like when I go back a bunch of decades and what that was like. I didn't know that I would see almost the equivalent, equivalent of it again, but I believe we are seeing the equivalent of it again. You know, we're seeing it across the board. We're seeing it, as you mentioned, in the, the folks that have won, you know, seats in the Congress this time around. We're seeing it in our politicians. You know, we're seeing it in candidates for 2020 openly speaking about their relationships, their gay relationships, being married to a man. We're, we're seeing that. We're seeing how it's being talked about, what's being said. We're also seeing the response that we have in the world. And I want to ask you this in these last minutes. You know, am I just being overly optimistic or have we truly made this kind of progress? And and, and, in, and in asking you that, you know, it really brings us to a closing message, too. I studied history, at least in college, and to watch that every change movement, we move ahead, and there's often a backlash, and then move ahead. So it's almost like a spiral. I believe the energy and the number of people involved in creating social justice in this country and around the world is hundreds of millions in Areas we'll never hear about because more and more people are committed and involved. There were a lot of people involved in the 60s. If you go to the women's movement in the 70s, gay rights, the trans movement today, lots of people involved. And so people may not be involved in every movement, but someone in the environmental movement might have a friend who's over here in the dismantling classism and wanting Medicare for all. And so they're all working together 
towards the same goal of true dignity, respect, what we really believe in this country and the world, I believe people deserve. And so whether it's a small organization, large corporation, a community organization, what are our values and what we believe? And then how do we work together to accomplish it? Because we have to stay grounded. We have to work collaboratively, stay true to our passion and know that collectively we will get farther together. Uh, I'll end with this wonderful Helen Keller. Alone, we can do so little, but together we can do so much. There are so many possibilities if we work in community and stay in it for the long haul. And next uh, time, May 6, I'm going to bring in the Reverend Dr. Jamie Washington, another dear colleague and change agent, to talk about more specifically how do you create change and sustain the momentum. And in fact, we may have him on several times. He said this week he's willing to do a series over the year. And so wow. we're just going to keep giving skills and ideas and stories and motivation to find your passion and perseverance and to get others involved to achieve what we know is possible and we all deserve. Wow. Dr. Kathy Overe, Dr. Overe, before you go again, website, tell us about the assessment. Also, tell us about the books that you have available for folks too. And thank you for a super, super powerful show. Pat, it's been great to work with you. So if people go to my website, Dr. D-R Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y-O-B-E-A-R, drkathyoberry.com, or they can just Google Center for Transformation and Change. They will find me. And on the website, you can get access to a webinar about organizational change, my three books about dismantling racism, about self-care, community care, and about navigating difficult situations. I also have a course designing and facilitating workshops on equity, diversity, and inclusion. That one is just a wonderful new course that if you want internal change agents to have the capacity to lead meetings differently, to lead conversations, to do workshops. Um, yeah. Come find me on my website, centerfortransformationandchange.com. The other thing I want to say too, is for those of you listening uh, that work in organizations, you're going to want to make sure that you pass Dr. Kathy O'Bear's information on to your teams, to your management, to your internal groups. You know, think about how to bring the message in. Think about bringing Dr. Kathy O'Bear into your workplace and have that message resonate, revibrate and accelerate the change you want to see in your world. Thank you so much, Dr. Kathy. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Pat. I love it. I love rocking this. I love, love, love it. Thank you, Benny, for pushing all the right buttons. Thank you, Kat, for doing the same. And mostly thanks to all of you for tuning us in and turning us on for our 15th year. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Dr. Kathy O'Bear on Transformation Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to catch us next time as Kathy inspires listeners to become agents of change, motivate, innovate, and speak truth to power. Step into the courageous you that will change the world. Connect to life-changing conversations to extend your reach. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com.